0: what's up everybody welcome to conversations in the metaverse this is your host the Derbied one um, also known as craig obligation wilson you can find me anywhere on pretty much any social media site as the derbyed one um, and here i am i am with hunter um, wow your last name is skipping my mind at the moment uh, but hunter uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself tell the audience a little bit about yourself and then we'll dig in a little deeper.
1: Sure. Um, nice to nice to meet you guys. My name is Hunter Basell um, on Crypto NFT Twitter. You might know me as Slushy.Eth. and yeah, I'm the founder of the NFT project called Colony, or you might know it as Colonists. Uh, it started early last year, so like the springtime started as a joke, ended up dropping an avatar collection uh in august late august early september of last year and it minted out and then since then have been basically reallocating the funds from that mint into like building the game that was on our roadmap and then additional utility and also just experimenting with technology in the space and just building things so yeah i'm a member of the nft community i guess you could say and that's kind of like a high level overview.
0: I love the NFT community overall. Um, I, I'm really curious before we get in, like why slushy.eth, where did that come from? That's,
1: yeah. uh, I'm
0: sure there's gotta be a story. <laughs>
1: so I was, I used to collect like Xbox usernames back in the day. Like when I was in like elementary, middle school, uh so I've always been like a username person. I like like OG short like one word names as like a handle on social media. Um I never really got into it that much on Instagram, but on Xbox I did. And when I first started buying NFTs last year, um I realized there's a lot of unminted um or unregistered ENS names. And I just minted or registered as many uh, ENS names as I possibly could that were like OG. So I had a collection of a bunch of different ones that I was cycling through. And I remember telling one of my friends, I'm like, yo, uh, these are all my ENS names. And I was using another one of the ENS names I owned. I think I was using like brainwash.eth. Or something like that. And then I asked them, like, yo, which one do you think is, like, the coolest? And, like, which one would you want? He's, like, oh, honestly, I would want, like, the slushy one. That's the best one by far. And I think him saying that was, like, that's probably, like, the coolest ENS name that I have. So I ended up just, like, I'm, like, oh, I kind of like slushy, too. So I'm just going to use it. Um, but, yeah, now it's, like, even my friends in real life, they kind of start calling me slushy because I guess it's just, like, a funnier name. So I guess that's like one of my pseudonyms. Like, you call me Slushy. So, even if we're not in Web three NFT world, you like I I I could go by Slush, like Slush or Slushy.
0: But yeah. So the name, the nickname, just kind of stuck, huh? Um, Yeah, it
1: kind of stuck. Like I feel like people call me Slush.
0: (laughs) Nice, well, Slush. (laughs) Chuck Slush. (laughs) So, uh. I would love to know like your origin story, you know, give me like a little bit about how you got in and um, if it, this question always throws people off, but if you've thought um, about this uh, when you were a kid, is there anything that maybe you did that kind of like uh, signified where you would end up going within the the NFT community? Like for me, exa- as an example, like for me, like I used to, go with my friends when i was 10 we'd sneak onto a golf course find golf balls wash them on the golf course and then sell them back to the golfers until we'd get kicked out and i did it for fun so like i've always been a little entrepreneurial you know and i like to treasure hunt that's another thing i love about nfts i love like hunting um for the right ones and the right traits so um you know any origin like what's your origin story like how'd you get in why are you in what's your story sir
1: oh so, like, my origin story, like, as, like, an individual who likes to, like, I guess, like, from an entrepreneurial perspective is, like, I guess, since I was a little kid, I've always kind of liked, like, reinventing myself. Um, yeah. I I grew up, you know, I grew up playing baseball. Um, it wasn't, like, it was kind of like something my dad wanted me to do, so I ended up doing it. And then I discovered through, like, a family friend, like, skateboarding. And I remember, like, the mental shift between, like, identifying as a uh, baseball player and then identifying as a skateboarder. And, like, I, whenever I get into a new hobby, I always kind of, like, envision myself, like, becoming, like, the best at that thing. So
0: with baseball, hey man, why wouldn't you? I
1: never really saw that, like, in baseball oh. myself. I never really wanted to be, like, the best baseball player. But when I found skateboarding, it was an individual uh, focused like sport or activity. And I felt like there was a lot of like freedom of expression that I feel like I just got addicted to. um, And I feel like it kind of like a new version of myself kind of popped up. And I got really into skateboarding, got really into filming skateboarding clips as like whatever elementary school, middle school and posting them to YouTube and this kind of like building an identity around skateboarding and like eventually i got over skateboarding the dream of being a pro skater kind of died off my friends stopped skating i kind of got um did not so interested in it due to several different reasons but um uh, from there i got really into gaming so like just playing video games like all day long like playing halo um playing uh, Call of Duty, like Modern Warfare Two on Xbox Live, and I remember there was a community that from skateboarding, I liked that like individual like freedom of expression kind of like focus of it where like I dress a certain way that 's all completely my choice i I like have skate clips on YouTube that I sync up to my music, and I cut it up and I edit the videos and it felt like a very creative endeavor now. When I got out of that, I kind of started searching for that same feeling and other other things. And I, I came across like this thing called like trick shotting on um, like Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Where basically people would um, basically film and record clips of them playing the game and then sync it up to music. And it kind of be like skate montages, but for like hitting cool shots in Call of Duty. So I got like addicted to trick shotting. And then I was doing that, playing Minecraft all the time, like creative mode. I remember just getting like so addicted to video games that like at any chance, like after school, during the summer, I was just like ingrained just playing Minecraft, playing um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare and getting basically engulfed in this like ecosystem of people playing online games all the time on Xbox 360. And one of the things, on uh, Xbox is that people don't call you by your real name, unless you know them in real life. you usually call somebody by like their gamer tag. and you have a gamer tag and a gamer picture. And I remember the gamer tags, was, every gamer tag was one of one. So if like Hunter was taken, I would have to get like Hunter Five or like Hunter whatever. if that was taken out to get another username. So I don't know why, but I, I feel like I got I had some friends that were collecting rare usernames. You also could only have a certain amount of people on your friends list, so there was this subculture of people who trick shotted on Modern Warfare Two, played Minecraft, and played Xbox Live, and you try to get like a like kind of like a rare friends list. So you get like famous Call of Duty trickshotters or like people with rare usernames, and since you could only have a hundred people on your friends list, and it had to be a mutually accepted uh, friend request, like. There would be like, I, I basically would like try to make as many accounts as possible. I had that had like sick gamer tags. I'd, uh, and then like sick friends lists with other sick gamer tags as well that were rare gamer tags. But I don't know. Um, I don't want to go off on like a tangent regarding the, 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 the video game stuff. But that concept of rare gamer tags and owning them and selling them and trading them on a marketplace hmm. was like, my first foray into the same concepts you use in Web3. So like when I came across NFTs and this is like the first time I came across NFTs in 2018. And I realized if you could take that same concept with gamer tags and apply it to an image. I remember thinking like what you had to do to get rare images on Xbox live is everybody could have the same gamer tag, but you can gamer, gamer picture, but you could have the same gamer tag. Now there's a way to get, rare gamer pictures. And it was basically through going against the terms of service of Xbox. And you could basically get um, images from Google and then upload them to like a hard drive. Like you download them, upload them to a the hard drive, and then connect your uh, hard drive to the Xbox. And there's like some sort of software. I forgot exactly how I did it, but I could get gamer pictures that nobody else had because Xbox had a certain amount of pictures that are pre-selected and i remember that was like it wasn't like i owned the picture it was just like oh i i just have a gamer picture that nobody else has with nfts taking the concept of like an image and then wrapping my head around like okay it's like gamer gamer tags for pictures and it's it's done in a way where it's like you it's it just broke my brain i was like that's that's like absolutely insane i got before like understanding that concept. I never really fully bought into like crypto I never really fully bought into NFTs, but like wrapping my head around that concept, like I just got so extremely addicted to the NFT space and like thinking of ways to build with the technology. And it was because of that um, experience on Xbox live and wanting to express myself through a digital identity on Xbox 360 um, that NFTs and the way people interface with the space right now resonates with me.
0: So. It makes sense. It seems like it's a natural progression. I mean, like we are, you know, in the space of like digital ownership at this point, we're in, I like to call it the ownership economy. Right. So we're able to own just about anything, almost anything through an NFT. Um, So you, you, Mentioned that your project is called Colony, or so basically what's the concept?:
1: I, Okay, so I had a friend that I played Xbox with that was selling um OG like Instagram usernames, and one of his usernames he was selling was called Colony. And, okay. if you go on Colony, if you go on Instagram, you look up Colony. that's the account that we have. But I remember buying that as like, okay, this is like an investment, like I'm going to buy a rare username. The price he was selling it for was pretty cheap, in my opinion. Um, And I bought it. And I just started thinking, like, hey, instead of just sitting on this username, I could, like, use it for something. And this was the same time that I was getting into NFTs. I was actually building an NFT marketplace for music with my brother-in-law at the time that I bought that username. Oh, wow. It was called Songbase. So, like, last year around, like, March, if you looked at music NFT... Our site would pop up first, but it was nothing. It was just like a landing page. And we had like a sign-up form for emails. We said, hey, if you want to sell your music as NFTs, let us know. We're building something. We basically started working on a music NFT marketplace, like, demo on the WAX blockchain. A few months in, it wasn't moving fast enough for me. And my brother-in-law and I weren't really, like, seeing fully eye-to-eye on, like, how we wanted to approach it. So I just decided like, Hey, I'm going to start a side kind of like joke project on the side called colony. And the initial concept was that, um, okay. I have to fill in some gaps. I was working as a freelance user interface and web designer, primarily building like merch websites and just front end one pager websites for like cryptocurrencies and whatnot. Um, and I was doing that to make a income at the same time as building that marketplace and around the same time I bought the colony username. And I remember thinking like, Hey, I'm going to like kind of leverage this experience from trying to build this music NFT marketplace and this username and maybe come up with like a more simple, fun concept. And the idea was like, okay, I'm going to make like three, uh, 100 one of one, like basically bobblehead, like digital collectible NFTs of like celebrities that, I could get access to through my clients I was doing web development work for. So like, as I was designing and building websites, I actually worked with um, the uh, creative agency that was essentially owned by this guy who, uh, who, who manages Post Malone and Tyga. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. A lot of these like artists in the LA region. And I was basically like designing and building websites for these people. And I was like, damn, I have like one, text message away access to getting in group chats to some of these like celebrities. Maybe I could like do an NFT project because this NFT things like new and it's getting kind of like some buzz. This is like last spring and I could do a project called colony. And it's basically like a moon colony where these uh, celebrities have like little bobblehead versions of themselves just being simulated on the moon. And that was the concept. It's like, oh, we're going to auction off like a hundred of these. And then I took that idea and I met a dude in the NFT Discord uh, community that my brother-in-law knew um, who owned a board ape. And this is after me sort of like, this is in, in May of last year. And I had been talking to this dude a while, but I remember talking to him about this concept and saying like, hey, I don't know about the music NFT thing. I kind of want to do this colony thing where like these, there's, these uh, celebrities that are called colonists and they're basically on this like simulated crypto moon colony where you just log into a website and they're walking around and he's like dude that's a great idea and I was like really and I, I didn't realize until later but this guy actually worked on the Sims with will Wright as like a QA testing lead and he started kind of planning in my brain like oh it could be bigger than just the celebrities on the moon you can know, have like your own characters and you can have your own world and your own simulated nft Civilization and it's, its own IP. And like, we started talking about this. I actually did a uh, decent uh, dose of mushrooms while on a call with this guy one day. And we ended up talking for four hours, three or four hours about Colony. And it basically was one of these breakthrough things where I was like, yo, we could maybe turn this into like a Web3, like experimental brand. And it might, maybe it might take off. And we, It just turned into this thing where just being at that time, early summer last year, I was buying and flipping NFTs, taking losses, being a part of different NFT communities, just talking about that idea with enough people. We got a team together, did 25,000 generative avatars, took some art that I made in high school, kind of like made new renditions of it, pixelated it. And then just did randomly generated avatars in like five different species, and created a whole lore and a whole concept and a whole story around um, this this civilization of uh, basically like space animal like tune avatars. That the whole lore is that they're like designed in a lab um, in a psychedelic research lab, and then they start popping out, and they took over the human race. They they the human race is like wanting to to fight with them. They go and take a spaceship called the intergalactic space arc to a moon colony. And then all of our sort of like creative assets that were built around the project in the war is based around this like hyper materialistic consumer uh, moon colony of tunes called the colonists. And there's different regions depending on like what species there is. There's like the bears live in Honeywood, the ducks are in like wetropolis, the cats are in Catalina and it's really like I would, I would say right now, looking back, like in retrospect, that the IP for that project is still in its infancy because we went from idea to traction so quickly that it's almost like revisiting the early conceptual conversations about the IP and where we want to take it. It hasn't had enough time to fully become like a solidified Concept, but that's what's crazy about Web three is like the 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 middle ground of like Toontown and like an adult centric sort of like psychedelic influence and like streetwear influence. That middle ground between those things resonates with the community of people in the space, and they have a vision of where the IP should go. And it's like this high level concept just having a high level concept and communicating that visually enough, there's enough community driven momentum behind it where now it's starting to turn into its own thing that like the momentum has been rolled into something much bigger. So like the pixelated avatars, they're now 3D because like we got enough community discussion and, and we have the resources now where we're like, okay, this is gonna be 3D now. So if you go and you like Google colony NFT and you go to like our website, whatever, you'll see kind of like the current look that's been evolved from like a pixelated, very simple concept. Um, And I still think it's growing. So like, it's really like, I would say it's the experimental birth of like intellectual property in the NFT space, which is like very, it's a proven concept right now. Like you see, um, what the yacht club is the same thing. I don't want to just list off all these like projects, but like, you know, there's existing IP that just gets, Fully fleshed out, materialized, and there's new IP. And it's a really interesting space um, for that in specific.
0: Yeah, it has a lot of potential. I love that you have a story behind yours. A lot of these, they don't really have that deep of a story. And I think storytelling with NFTs and the metaverse, any metaverse, and just with Web three in general is a going to be an important aspect of it as we grow. Um, also, IP uh, IP as a user case for NFTs is, is going to be giant. Whether you're CC zero, you know, and anybody can use it. Like I think Mo- Moonbirds went CC zero, and there's a ton of other like really gen projects out there. Um, or you're Basie where uh you know people that own the nft have the rights i mean think they have some limited rights like what kind of rights are you giving your your holders like where does the community stand within helping to build uh, the the storyline
1: we've been um in a very like experimental phase so like i would say like we just to, to preface everything we've withheld a lot of that those like given rights to holders because we don't really know how to go about it yet. Um, And I think that like when a bunch of people own assets and the term of use is like, you could do what you want with it. I mean, like with intellectual property, I think it's kind of like a dangerous territory um, because, okay. So I I have a unique perspective on this. I eventually want to create something that makes sense to give commercial rights to holders, but it needs to be mm-hmm. packaged in a way where it truly does um, lend itself as a valuable asset. So like right now our avatars are just an image. And I think with the board apes, it's very unclear. Like, like, you know, like, you know how people take their ape and then they make their own community uh, influence artwork around it. What if you have the same ape, with this is why it's kind of like a flawed concept. You have the same ape um, from like the body standpoint as a different background. It's the same, you know what I'm saying? It's the same sort of thing. So like, there's a weird, um, I, I kind of like what X did where you could download the avatars and then you could use it in your own animation. And it's like, you're basically owning that avatar. I like that concept because it's like a tangible, like 3D fully like rigged and textured character outside you could take in and out of different places. And that could be like a character in an animated movie. Um, but with the board Apes, I mean, I know people are doing that and they're making their own like board Ape music videos or their own board Ape cartoons. Okay. And I think it is really cool and it's very uh, experimental and it's a new novel concept. Um, I don't necessarily, I don't really know exactly what the best way to approach it is. Um, I do know, though, that I believe in people taking one avatar and one username and bringing it into multiple apps. So, And and it's because it makes more sense to the human mind, I think, is if you're playing all these multiple games, you have multiple avatars in different games, there's value to that where, okay, you hop in this world, you're different. The thing is, is that the way that current applications are structured is like, if I wanted to change my username across all my accounts, I need to go to LinkedIn, Discord, Twitter, Instagram, and I have to manually do that myself. Or if I want to change my name. Like, and obviously it's not like people are changing their name all the time, but it's your identity is managed. It's it's different on every different platform. And I think the concept with Web3, where you take one identity everywhere so you own this one username, it's your username everywhere. I like that concept, and I think ENS and people using that as, like, um, a form of usernames is really cool because it's building on that concept. But I think with avatars, it's going to be the same way, where I think it's more important as, like, an identity thing. And then when you have an identity, I could like, you could take your name and likeness and sell it and use it to sell anything. And I think the avatars connected to an identity is more important. Um, So, like, that's what I think is cool is, like, using – if I have my colonist NFT avatar, which is from our collection, and I take it into Fortnite, I take it into GTA, and I have this one colonist that represents me, and then I also can use the name and likeness of Slushy, which is, like, my username and my identity on the web, to market things and – it, I'm using the colonists. I think that like that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I think we're pretty early to this concept because people don't, they don't live like, we don't have like a fully digital identity. Like I think that right now it's like there's your physical identity that you bring to the internet. Um, now there's this birth of uh, this concept of like truly digital identity that lives there and stays there. Um, but like, who knows, maybe we're going to live with like AR goggles um, or AR um, contact lenses. And I'm going to be looking at you and it's going to be your NFT, full body representing you. And you're going to be looking at me and we could choose to look at each other through that lens. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what it's going to turn into. I think we're like decades, if not hundreds of years away from that. But um, yeah, I, I like put simply, somebody identifies with their ape as their digital identity. and They have their own username and they want it to be separate from their physical and real identity, and they want to use the name and likeness of that identity that they own and manage and live through on the internet to market something, I think every NFT avatar should grant that right. Um, but I, I don't like, when I see people using like a Bored Ape as a logo for a brand, I personally feel like it's a little bit tacky. Um, maybe it's just people who just haven't done it properly, but I just don't, I don't know. If I was that person, I would just make my own monkey. Like, and but because I, I don't know. I feel like it's something where like you're kind of. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't feel right to me.
0: I I think it's like they're they're banking on the identity of the community of VC and people recognizing it. But I I get what you mean. Um, I don't know. My dog is barking in the background, but you know. I just leave it in. that's uh, yeah, fine. <coughs> excuse me. Uh yeah, I have a like I have a I have a bunch of friends that have used their board apes as the identity for their company, but you are right. Like it should be separate things. Like so um I also we are definitely moving in the direction more and more where your avatar, your PFP are going to be your online or metaverse, even identity. Um, It's building towards that. So I definitely like that idea. And I, 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 we're not that far away from it. Like, it's really a matter of the metaverse coming at scale. Cause I know when I, when the metaverse is at scale, I don't want to walk in as a photorealistic version of myself. You know what I mean? That's, what's cool about all this. What's the point?
1: It's it's like, um, (laughs) I mean, I'm, I could be self-conscious sometimes, like, and I, and I think that it's not it, it, I don't know, I think that when, you ha- when you're dealing through a virtual identity and it's this thing that like you're in complete control of. so like your physical self, you're not really in complete control, you're in a lot of con- more control than people think, like you can get healthy, you really you could really like change your look as an individual, but there's things that you can't change. You're, you're born in a box simply put that you can't really jump out of. You can push the box in different directions, but you're still like in that box. And as a society, we're moving towards this concept of like, oh, you can be who you want. You could change, and I don't wanna get political, but you could change your gender. You could change all these different things. And I think that like, there's a seedling of like, there we're on the right track, but I think the way that we're implementing it is not right. Like, and I think that like, Telling somebody, okay, your your physical self you could be whatever you want. Let's just forget the laws of um, physics and just you can just turn into whatever you want. I think in a virtual setting, what's really cool is you could kind of like exist in an ecosystem where that doesn't matter, and it, it, and if it does matter, it's not forced upon you. So like, if I'm a person and I see this in like Web three NFT space, is people kind of like have strong brands and strong uh wings, and nobody knows what they physically look like because it doesn't matter for that particular thing and like i've made the choice of doxing myself um
0: yeah me too mainly
1: because of like a trust um thing it's like i want people to know there's a real person behind the project because it took off way more and way way bigger and way quicker than i thought it would so I was like, dude, I just, like, I just want, like, if I was a person who just bought these NFTs, I would want to know that there's somebody being held up. Um, That's That's how I felt. Now, over time, like, I've kind of, like, reflected and looked at the space, and I think that there's some truth to that. But if you have a digital track record, that piles up over years, like, 20 years of just pure, like, solid, like, choices, solid contribution and there's no physical identity to attach that to, but the digital identity solid, you know, I think that's more trustworthy than somebody who's doxed and has like three years. So like, I think we're going to start to get into the digital world where as soon as everything's kind of being just like blasted onto a blockchain and is being imprinted and, and irrefutably like recorded for the end of time and being connected to identities, we're gonna start to like collectively care less about physical identity and more towards like your digital blockchain-based track record. And like that's what I think is cool about the blockchain is that it's this like it's this imprint of stuff that irregardless of uh platforms or regardless of, of platforms existing, if the if the blo- if the ledger that tracks all these things is staying there, right? And it's like the the app like this game could come up, you can get rare items from it, earn some loot and then it exists here and the game goes away and you still have the certificate of ownership, over time you could really build a strong digital identity. Um, and I think like that's what's cool is I, I really do dig the idea of people being able to um, be themselves and control more variables about how they're being perceived on, uh, in a digital space. And like like you said, I I don't want a physical scan of myself. I, I want to be like a like an ape with a puffer jacket on. Um in a in a meta in a metaverse setting, 'cause like I think that's a sick design. And I think that like there's a designed identity. And it's a name I chose, it's a look I chose, and it and it doesn't the box is bigger, right? So I don't know. I, I that's that's kind of my outlook on it.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Like I, I want to design what I look like in the metaverse. I, um, you know, like I've, I've had this discussion a lot lately, actually. And here's kind of an example of what I'm getting at. Like, I don't understand the point of a bar in the metaverse, other than maybe it's signifying a social gathering. And what I'm really trying to do, to to hint out is like people need to think outside of the box, right? It's not just this physical reality. We have this new technology. Um, everything in Web three, we have this new technology that we can play with, and it's still a fairly blank canvas. It's not, none of the rules have been established. So why are we all identifying with with just our our regular selves and like what we're used to, like? I don't want to walk into the home I live in when I go into the metaverse. So I don't understand the idea of scanning the home, let alone scanning ourselves. Like there's, there's a whole new identity. There's a whole new bag of tricks that we can play with and build around and build from and have it like really represent who and what we stand for um, in the space. So I, I'm totally with you. I think there's still a lot of potential. It's still very early, ultimately, even though, you know, the first NFT was minted in 2014. And generally speaking, a metaverse like VR has been around since the 60s. Um, It's just now we're finally at a point where the hardware is catching up and the technology is catching up. And uh, definitely 2020 kind of moved, jumped us forward about five years, I would say. for the need and desire to use it.
1: I think we're waiting for, like, intuitive user experiences that, like, you know, like, that that's what it comes down to is, like, VR as a computing platform, like, conceptually makes sense. If you take these screens and then bring them closer to you and everything's kind of like a screen and a module, like, like a widget here and, like, everything's customizable, like, you take your iPhone home screen and then just... Put it on your, like, that's, I think everybody can agree that if that's executed on properly and it feels like frictionless, that we're going to want to upgrade from what our current hardware is to that. It's just like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I haven't met a single person who st- goes in VR and wants to stay there, right? Um, like, that would be probably categorized as, like, mental illness, like, in the current form of VR. It's like, you go in and you, cause like, you got to take a sip of water. Like, what are you going to do? You got to like press a button. Like you kind of got to, you got to take yourself out. Um, and I think this like view, and I, I think the matrix encompasses this like almost perfectly. It's like, we're going to be in fucking pods. Like by the time we're in a simulated reality that. Like you're not your physical identity anymore. Anymore, you are a, a virtual identity. I think it's going to be this thing where like we're going to, and this might be like a weird view, but like maybe we're going to be in rooms in our house that have like tubes plugged into the wall where food is automatically being fed to us and water and everything's sort of automatically being taken out of, just been, been taken care of. And we're just in this other world 24 seven. But it's, it makes sense if we do get to that point because of, like, the implications of doing that. It's, okay, like, if you have, um, if you give the human experience, like, a certain amount of values, like, whatever you've experienced in your reality is, like, what's real to you. And if you could kind of globalize the experience of the top 1% and then have the rest of society experience that too, you're going to create a product that everybody's going to be addicted to and never want to leave. And I think that that's, like, once that happens, I think we're in kind of, like, a scary territory where, like, you know, we're already kind of having it where I don't know if you go on TikTok. Like, dude, the TikTok algorithm is, like, addicting as shit. Like, I I go on there, and I feel like I go on, and then I blink, and it's 30 minutes later. And I I just gave all my attention to this platform. and got nothing in return. Like, and it feels like – that's how it feels like. Obviously, I'm getting entertained. I'm consuming information, but the way it's content's being served is just like it's perfect. It's just like pulsating, like just the right amount of like stimulation that I can't keep my eyes off of. So with VR, with the metaverse, is I, I really do think um, there's like a hardware bottleneck right now. I think that the way we're thinking about augmented reality and, and these things, especially, I mean, there's probably stuff that I don't know about and you don't know about that maybe some like super high tech startups or like NBA like projects in Google know. But the thing is, is like, it's clearly not ready yet because we're, we're talking right now through a desktop computer, or, like a laptop, or whatever. Um, and I think that a lot of these concepts of digital ownership are actually more important to people um, than experiencing it through VR. It's like in order for us to want to take this world seriously, we're going to have to own what we get in that world or at least feel a real sense of ownership and feel a sense of like, okay, if I'm in a house right now and I have a digital collectible, if I have a physical collectible here, if I moved houses, I can bring it with me. Now, like in games, we don't think of items in games in that same regard. We kind of just keep them. This is a playground. This is a playground we can go in and out of these things. We can't bring these things out. And it's because that the user experience of doing that doesn't even exist yet. Nobody's really made like, what's the Apple UI? Like, what's the perfect, like, addictive layout and structure and like design of like taking items out of a game into another game? There's no framework. It's like the way I look at the metaverse and like interoperability is it's like, imagine I'm in a city right now and they speak one language here to go, uh, green is go, red is stop at a stoplight. Then I go to another city, it's a new language and it's purple to go. And then there's like four lane roads and like every single different game is built on different infrastructure. So we're we're talking about like, if we want a metaverse that's interoperable to exist, we all have to be building on the same infrastructure. And infrastructure is like, it's honestly, What's really difficult about it is that some of these things from a design standpoint are, um, no, there's things we don't have agreed on yet. So like when you have a, I don't I might get a little bit technical right now. We're developing a game where you could play like um, with your NFT avatars in it. And we have our own avatars. Then we have like a rendition of a board ape, a doodle, a cool cat, um, and then several other NFT avatars and like a demo where you could play in like the same like world with all these different avatars to make them all sync to like the same emotes and have it work properly there. And, and and then basically like have all of these avatars ha- be able to easily lend themselves to the same functionality with different shapes and sizes. That's like a challenge. And when, when, when an NFT project makes avatars in a certain way, um, and you want to take them in and out of different worlds, they're not built with the same standard. So, like, you you can't take a GTA character and put it into Fortnite. It has to be optimized for Fortnite. You have to change the hitboxes. You have to, like, basically pull it into the system. And then once it turns into a Fortnite character, it's no longer a GTA character because it's had to to have been changed. So, like, there's this task of, like, everybody who develops a game that NFT avatars will be playable in they right now, if you want to do this, you have to design your own way of interpreting the metadata of that NFT and displaying it as a 3D avatar in your game. So, like the game themselves, they, they look at the blockchain, you want to plug a board ape in. They right now, you have to make your own version of a board ape if you want to have a board ape come play in your game. So, we're going to have all these different games with different versions of board apes, with different versions of cool cats with different versions of all these different things, and it's all basically built on top of the, um, the qualitative decision-making of the game designers, and that's a huge bottleneck. So if you want to make a new game, and you want to make all these other avatars playable, and then you, you have to take 5 million NFT avatars that exist, that all these communities are built around, and then let people use them as digital identities in your game, you have to basically design game-ready versions of every single avatar. That's like, we're going to have to, as game developers,
0: decide
1: and agree on like okay this is the metaverse avatar standard and this is what the standards are and that doesn't exist yet so like that's kind of what we've been faced with is like when we're developing our game when we're developing it's like nobody's even asking these questions and talking about them and it's this this kind of like brain dead like megalomaniac view of like how far we are in the metaverse like no we're really like pre like the first floor and all this stuff is really kind of just like loose, big vision ideas. Um, and it's, there's going to be a domino effect of, in, of technological infrastructure that needs to be built in order for any of the things that over this last NFT, like crypto, metaverse, bull run, to even become remotely uh, possible in reality.
0: There's There's definitely a bunch of humps we still got to get over. It's 1996 internet, you know? Like that's that's where we are. The tech was there. Um lots of people saw the future, knew what it was going to become, and lots of people were still confused. Like I, I I did a I have told this story so many times on this podcast already, but like I did a um I did a presentation earlier this year, and one of my slides was an article that said the internet is a fad. And it was from 2003. So that tells you like the mentality of people like they, I, I, we have to get into that ease of use. We have to, the metaverse needs to be interoperable. And there also needs to be like an, a reason for a lot of people to get in. You know, there's an argument that the reason that the iPhone got adapted is because of the Facebook app. Like people got on to the bot, started buying the iPhones at like iPhone four so they could have the Facebook app. It was like the it was like a, a massive like black swan event. And there needs to be something out there that's going to do that. And, you know, they, they, we still have a lot of growth. There's still a lot of cycles we're going to go through. One of these major players, whether it be Decentraland or OpenSea or uh, any of the like blue chip NFTs, they're going to fall apart and fade away in the same way AOL or Napster or Yahoo did in the early internet days. So like we still have, you know, this this there's this saying, you know, we've all heard like history repeats itself. I don't believe that. I believe people repeat themselves. So if you go back and look at records like I've done studies on like the beginning of um the stock market, the beginning of stocks period and it's just it's just the same cycle over and over again. There's scams, people believing in it, like it, you know, things transform. You go back to like um the beginning of art when the canvas got invented, people considered art on a canvas not real art. And the only real art was art on a building. So it, it goes through this entire cycle And that's where we're at. We're a little bit more advanced. And the the big player that we have that none of these other like evolutions have had is that we have the internet at scale. So information is going to travel fast. Technology is a little easier um, than it was. But, like, yeah, it's going to, it's very interesting time. Um, It's a very exciting time to be building in. Uh, we still have a little bit to go, but I just don't know that it's going to take that long. Simply because we have the internet at scale. Like, I mean, you and I are commuting, committ- like, are, are um, communicating right now, and you know, we both have talked to Dale. He lives in Portugal, for God's sakes. Like, just five years ago, that would almost be impossible.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, and the thing is, is like, yeah, I think a way to look at. I don't know if you view this the same way, but I feel like blockchains are almost like digital countries. So you're seeing yep. like Ethereum is like, maybe you could, you know, you there it's Solana, the different ecosystems. And I think these ecosystems to get the next wave, they're going to have to globalize and cross pollinate and, and infrastructure is going to need to be built. So like, there's this cool thing I saw the other day called CrossMit where it's basically like you could buy Ethereum NFTs with Solana and Solana NFTs with Ethereum or like you buy with a credit card. And then they're kind of like a layer three, but like they're like in collaboration with Magic Eden. There's like stuff I'm seeing pop up where like a new technological innovation happens and then it globalizes to the rest of the space and it gets integrated. And I think that like, it's almost like this... um, it's like this big, like, cybernetic, like, automation towards um, this vision that we have of the future. And it's almost like assembling itself in real time through all these different startups. And I think that's what's beautiful about it is that right now, like, everybody just got this big sort of, like, fever dream vision of the future. And we have to build it now. But it's, like, to build it, it's less exciting. And it's, like, um, it, it's going to be one step at a time. And like a lot of these people that we thought were going to build the future, they're not going to be the ones that actually build it. They're kind of like, yep. you know, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about. I want to be careful about what I say. Um, but like some of these companies that have raised at such high valuations, I feel like they're, they're like at, that's the pico top like valuation of some of these projects. Unless they like pivot and they're really experimenting with like new zero to one technological innovation, because right now the only real proof of concept that a lot of these projects have is that in an NFT bull run, they could sell out a very hyped collection. And the main reason those people are buying those NFTs is because they think they're going to flip them for more money. So like that's, I'm, I'm aware enough to know that that's the majority of buying pressure in the last NFT run is people just buying because they wanted to make money. People are spending money to make money. That's, because of the nature of nfts and the unregulated aspect of it and because it's so new because everything's living and it's like you know wash trading like you people don't really fully grasp like there's a lot of weird weird stuff that has happened over the last year that has thought brought people into this mindset that, you know, with everything going up in value by like 20% every week is an NFT and people get brought into this mania, of course, like pixel is going to make $70 million and they have a website and like a, like a $15,000 demo that just got put together. But that's like the market's So manic it got, it gets to that point. So, and I mean, like, obviously it doesn't mean that somebody who raises this much money can't turn it into real value. Um, I just do, I do really think that, yeah, you know, like, like, like you said, like the early internet I've done, I was, I was born after that. I'm 22. Um, I was born in 2000. So I, I didn't even really witness that. I mean, I, mean, I grew up, I was six years old on online, um, chat rooms, like learning how to use the internet. I actually learned how to communicate with other people and type through online games. So like this, when you're talking about the internet is like, I actually grew up with like you you were at 96 i was in 2006 10 years after that and as a kid using my own prerogative to basically discover and use these tools because they were simple enough for me to understand as a little kid so like when is web3 NFTs going to reach that point what when are the kids going to start using it when are they because right now you know you might meet, meet an eight-year-old kid and it's like oh bored ape is cool crypto punk is cool you know that that concept is cool. But until that technology touches their user experience in like a very direct way, um, that also is gonna say a lot um when we reach that point that maybe we've made a lot of progress. But yeah, it's really like a niche of people who are wanting to use it as a vehicle to make money. That's like what I see Web3 as predominantly. Um
0: that's definitely what it has been and um But now, like, you know, that we're in this bear market, I think there's a lot of people here to actually build for the long the long haul. And it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens when the next NFT bull market happens. Is it gonna be the same cycle? Or are people going to have learned their lesson that you know the majority of these NFTs that you go buy, they're gonna go to zero. Like I wonder how many of those that you know sold for two ETH, three ETH, four ETH in the middle of the bull run. Are now at zero or barely anything. They don't have an active community. The owners, the founders, have basically abandoned it and not doing jack. I will also say for the younger generation, you know, a lot of them in a way are um, being trained with this thought process, right? Like I saw, I I saw this YouTube video the other day of this um, story of this mom who she was telling a story of how her 9-year-old kid it was her birth his birthday and he didn't want an in real life like birthday party he wanted to go celebrate it on roblox and in order to celebrate on roblox they went and they she had to buy him like a whole new like outfit on roblox and basically that's going to be an nft it's going to be something very you know very similar and that concept of that digital identity and going to go hang out with your friends in the digital world and having him like thoroughly enjoy himself it's very real it's the it's nothing to shy away from and so when that younger generation becomes 18 you know the 18 to 24 demographic the the and has that buying power that's what we're going to see and i would say some of them are probably like 16 15 now we're not that far away
1: What might happen is okay. This is the Roblox thing is interesting because my sister works at an elementary school, and she said that her class, that um, she she's not a teacher, she like helps out something, but she said that her class of kids they all call each other by their Roblox names. Every single one of them, they're all calling each other in real life by their name on Roblox. So like, this is like what I'm like. I was a hyper niche of video game players that what got hyper obsessed with uh, usernames, but this next generation of kids, the way that Roblox made their user interface and they, they're, they're taking one username everywhere. Like it's um, and within the game. It's like, people are starting to pur- like, that's thought process. It's globalizing. It's, it's getting popular across all these kids. Now with Roblox, what I think needs to happen in order for people to really have like this um, like a transformative global event for people who want to use NFTs one infrastructure needs to get there everything needs to be faster cheaper but like if Roblox's servers like I don't know I don't really know how they structure everything and like how everything works but if Roblox were to shut down like let's just say something happens all the Roblox servers are gone oh everything's deleted everybody's progress is deleted your accounts are deleted you know kids that basically prescribed sentimental value to their Roblox identity and their items they got and everything over time, if that was wiped away from them, that would freak out a generation of people. It'd be like pouring like water on ants. Cause like the, the when you have all these people, right. And you, you start to build all these, um, your worldview starts to get pressed out through that experience. When you're a five-year-old kid and something's happening to you, it's starting, you're building trees of thought on top of that experience. So, like, I had an experience like this myself. I grew up playing Club Penguin and this other game called Toontown. And those games eventually shut down. But then new versions of those games popped up, but you had to make a new account to play on those games. So the the game themselves shut down, but then there was a community-made version that took the code, and then they just basically started hosting it somewhere else, and it's like, but Penguin rewritten, Toontown rewritten, rewritten. It's not even like the full version of the game. I remember I was like, dude, why don't I can't, I can't, I can't take my old account to the new version. Well, it's because Disney, it wasn't my information. It wasn't my, uh, it wasn't my, uh, I, was, I was basically playing the game for entertainment. I wasn't earning anything. So those games shut down, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like right now, I don't care that much. But the idea of taking an item in a club penguin game and the game shutting down and me still having that digital ownership of it, you know, that's enough sentimental value to me where I feel like it would have made my life like 1% better. Cause like, what if that's a really rare item and there's cultural significance for this club penguin IP. And then I could sell it for a lot later. And I was at the right place at the right time as a little kid. And I got an item and I tucked it away and boom, it's worth something one day. And, like, the thing is, is right now games don't – they're not they are not thinking about that experience for their players. You know, they don't know – some people play Club Penguin, and they don't have any sentimental value of their items. They know it's a game. They know it's just fake. It's, like, whatever. This is entertainment. But there's someone like me who is, like, when I do things in life, I, I try to make it a hobby. I try to make it a pastime, like, a productive thing. Like, I'm proactive. When I'm playing – a kid playing Club Penguin, I'm proactively trying to get – better items i'm proactively trying to like upgrade my house when i feel like i'm being proactive for all these years and then this whole experience just the rug gets pulled from beneath me and i no longer have everything i felt like i earned that's a traumatic experience that i had so if all these kids playing roblox had the same thing happen to them that would probably be like oh well nfts could solve that and then like the narrative could shift to oh well like Maybe everything on Roblox should have been like frozen as like, a, like an NFT. I don't, I don't know. But that, you, you know, you said like a black swan event. I think the black swan event or the, the, the like global paradigm shift for NFTs, unfortunately, like might be contingent on something like that happening where a huge game with a huge player base eventually has to shut its doors. And then kids who've been playing it since they were five to 25, lose all of their value that they sunk into it. Um, that, might, that might cause that mass adoption that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, it's got something has got to pop. Um, well, we, I think we both agree, like, we still have infrastructure and some hardware issues to build. Uh, the vision is there. The people are there. Um, it's just a matter of time now. How much time is the question mark? Uh, but with the with the internet at scale, it may not be as long as we think, although we do have some big hurdles to jump. And um from everything I've heard, I've been told this multiple times by people who have tested the prototype, but the Apple like glasses that are coming, rumored Christmas of 2023 are going to make the Oculus look like a flip phone compared to an iPhone. So maybe the hardware issue will be, I don't know, we'll we'll see. But there's also got to be a bunch of apps. There's got to be a reason to own these glasses. Um, and there has to be kind of like an emotional reason. Um, with that said, we only got a couple minutes left. So Hunter, if you have any, or slush, should I call you? Yeah. Um, if you have, uh, if you have any advice for anybody coming in the space, anybody in the space, or any, like, words of wisdom, last, final thoughts that you want to share, now is your time.
1: Um, I would say words of wisdom is, like, if you're just entering the space, just know that, like, you're done. But, like, I, I and I'm like this, too. It's, like, you get really excited and you experiment and break things and make the wrong decisions and make some of the right decisions just like be prepared to like make mistakes also like try to solve problems that you're currently facing so like if you're trying to solve a problem for somebody else you should stop doing that and try to solve a problem that you're facing so go into the space experience and participate in things that interest you and then if you're facing a problem and other people are too, but mainly you, you're going to be the best person to build it. So like, that's that's kind of like what I'm learning is that I've tried the, and I, I have a history of trying different startup stuff and trying different things. The closer, the, the more time I spend building things, the more I really get closer to like, okay, the only real thing, I, things I can build are things that are solving my own problems. And once I've solved my own problem, then I'm going to fit place to solve somebody else's. But like a good way to look at it is if you're in the space and you um, look at, you you think there's a problem that exists that doesn't really like, even though like I, I got in the space, I started making a music NFT marketplace and it was because conceptually it seems like a big market. It seems like something that makes sense, but look at today. There's really no music NFT market. Now, I decided to make a project, which was Colony, which was something that I thought had like meme value and just fun uh, encased in it. And that ended up being the, the only thing that's really brought me any real traction, right? So the thing that like, honestly, the thing that's brought me the most success is the thing that I was least anticipating to bring me the most success. And it was something that I would have worked on if I hadn't made money regardless. So that says a lot, like, especially for me, is I've always... Even right now, like try experimenting with new things, just try to solve your own problem that you're facing, and you'll be probably making progress like 10 times faster than if you're trying to solve something that you think somebody else has. Um, that's just my
0: advice. I really like that final thought like, um, solve your problem because other people are having it too, right? And it's it's like it's also the same concept of. If you go do for a living what you love, um, you're really going to enjoy it and you're going to be able to sink your teeth into it. If you are having a problem that you really want to solve, you're going to dig deep and try to solve it. You're going to find the answers. So I love that thought. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. I really appreciate um, everything you are doing in the space. Thank you for being one of the early adopters and one of the builders. Um, that you're the exact type of person we need to keep on moving forward together as a community and build something awesome for the future.
1: Thank you, man. And, uh, it was, it was, Yeah. I don't really do these that often, but this has inspired me to like, want to do more podcast stuff. Um, cause like, it's really cathartic. So like I, what I've noticed yeah. like, my <laughs> mind feels clearer right now after having this conversation, um, so what you're doing, too, is just taking the time to talk to people is, like, really valuable as well. Um, and I'll be sure to keep watching your, your future interviews because this is, this is a good time. And you ask good questions.
0: Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. And for those that have heard me before, if you know what I'm about to say, please say it with me. Be a nice human. Peace. Later, man. Later.